0: Issue for all women. Hello, Mickey here, welcoming you to this week's Sunday chops. Welcome, come on in, water's lovely. And yeah, I know, I know we shouldn't have favourites, but a chat with one of the excellent scummy mummies, aka Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson, is always a guaranteed proper delight, particularly when we get to do it in the face. And so, even though I've only just got hitched, I was still mega chuffed to meet up with Helen to talk about divorce. Her new book, Get Divorced, Be Happy, is an account of what she's learned over a pretty big year. A sharing of the best tips she's picked up along the way, a huge hug for anyone going through similar and a clink of the Prosecco glass to female friendship. Helen's book is hugely uplifting and it is available for pre-order now, really helps authors if you do that, or out in the wild on July the 29th if you like getting, you know, in an actual bookshop. WeChat, self-reclamation, getting through life's shitty bits, the joy as well as the tough bits of single mumming and how what feels like the worst thing to ever happen to you could well turn out to be the best. Helen and I were pretty giddy kippers to be able to do this in person and you will definitely hear that but I promise we calm down a little bit. I am joined in actual person by the brilliant Helen Thorne, the Australian half of the Scummy Mummies, all-round top bird and author of new book, Get Divorced, Be Happy, Why the End of a Relationship Can Be Just as Glorious as the Beginning. Helen, hello. Hello, Mickey. Thanks for having me in your kitchen.
1: You're in my house. Isn't this nice in real life? I know, I know. It's lovely. Not on the Zooms, not over Squadcast, it's, not on the interwebs. It's going to be hard to focus on questions and
0: not just like touching you. <laughs> I was like, can I touch your hair and I? Like, I know yeah. look at your lovely dress thanks mate you oh, look lovely. lovely you're in dungas yeah one of my favorite bits of clothing i dunger. remember
1: I, I when i got dressed i was in because i was in tracksuit bottoms before you arrived i thought oh, i'm gonna put my dungarees on because that's that's mickey style
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> excellent she is also wearing a mask of my face which is disconcerting <laughs> So, thrillingly, the
1: newlywed,
0: hello, that's me, is here to talk about divorce. And, you know, it is good to know the facts, and (laughs) those facts are that 42% of marriages will end in divorce. But to be honest with you, Helen, certainly after reading your book, I can't think of anyone I would rather talk to about
1: divorce. Wonderful. That's exciting, because I love talking about divorce, because I'm so happily divorced. And that's why I kind of write the book, because I was like, there's not enough positive and exciting energy about how wonderful it is when a relationship ends. I love that we're both at the other ends of <laughs> like I'm freshly divorced, you're freshly married, but there is a language around congratulating people about the beginning of a relationship. Mm-hmm. But there isn't at the end. Everyone's like head tilt, oh no, I'm so sorry. You know, broken home, failed marriage. There's all the negativity around it. But actually, from everyone I speak to or everyone who's got in contact with me since I've become divorced, everyone's like, it's the best thing ever. But it's always in whispered, hushed tones, like, it set me free, or I feel excited, I'm me again, all these Mm -hmm. sort of things. And there's just not enough of the fanfare around about that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of divorce. So
0: divorce has freed my mum from two men who were not good for her. Mm -hmm. And also me from a father who was not good for me. And my husband is he's secondhand, if I'm honest.
1: <laughs> eBay. <laughs> I got him on eBay.
0: Couldn't be more thrilled with my bargain of the year. But he is, he's a divorcee. And mm. it was that, you know, he got set free. Mm. Rasheen Connolly has a beautiful line about why some people are single, not you, Helen, mm. but why some people who don't want to be single remain single. And that's because so many couples are married and just refusing to let go for no other reason than stubbornness.
1: Yes. Mm. One of my catchphrases is, there are no prizes for misery there are no prizes for misery in that there are so many things about oh they've been married 50 years or isn't it great that they survived or what is the secret to a long marriage and I don't think that's right do you know the other place where you keep a tally of years Helen it's
0: fucking prison (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly
1: I come from, you know, my parents are married. My dad is a vicar. They've been married since 1964. You did the maths—56 years—and you know that was widely praised. That you know, marriage is is this thing you have to endure and stick at. But that's changing. Like that, there's no prizes now for that. And also, you get one shot at life, don't you? Uh huh. Why don't you want to be happy? Why do you want to be with someone miserable? It's really hard. And I know there's many reasons why people stay you know the choice to end my marriage was not mine but now that it's happened I'm like it's amazing <laughs> thank <laughs> you thank you you've got that evangelism that comes yeah.
0: from like a reformed smoker You're oh just absolutely like, I'm a it reformed feels... married <laughs> I
1: know it does feel like that and because it felt like such a gift or it does now at the time not so much but because I held onto my marriage so tightly and did you know, two big bouts of couples counseling and was just like, oh, I've got to make this work. I'm going to make it work. And then when I couldn't, when that decision was taken out of my hands, I was like, shit, what do I do now? And then, and then it was sort of like this blank canvas. I was like, I can make this life even happier. I don't want to sound too kind of Pollyanna about it because it is, there was really hard and shit bits, but it sort of unlocked this like next level in a video game <laughs> of all these women who kind of came forward and sort of said, yeah, it's really cool. That's great. And being a single mum is not all the bad press that it gets. Definitely. And we will get onto that.
0: You've touched on something there. And that is that, that joy that I think is just emanating through the podcast and into listeners ears right now. is really fucking hard won. Mm. So you were basically in divorce school for most of 2020 before yeah. you passed with flying honours. Like, <laughs> and so Get Divorced, Be Happy is an account of what you've learned and also a sharing of the best tips that you have come across along the
1: way. Yeah, exactly. So I got... Separated, or my I got separated. I got separated. I lost him somehow. Yeah, so I've been. Ah, oh, good. The front door's open. <laughs> <laughs> I've nearly I've put a new um, security system in. I don't know how Helen's... to use it. <laughs> Helen's dating Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I I've been single since the fifth of March, twenty twenty, and that was yeah just a couple of weeks before lockdown and um no you know obviously that bit was really hard it's so funny that yeah something that wasn't my choice or or something that I thought would never happen to me was just like the best thing best thing ever Mm -hmm. and I think this will come as no surprise to anyone
0: who knows and therefore obviously loves you but this book is as warm as a much-needed hug and it is also bracingly honest in parts
1: (laughs) it's pretty brutal isn't it yeah
0: brace yourselves
1: (laughs) yeah so I guess the book is an account of my first year of separation. Mm-hmm. So it it's sort of, there's a little bit of background about what, what my relationship was and why I was so obsessed with getting married and being a bride and all that sort of stuff. So it sort of touches on in the initial chapters about being a fat child and having low self-worth and then what it meant to be in a couple and being loved by a man. And then it kind of goes into how the relationship broke up and then just... The pit of despair that i went into Mm -hmm. which i call sort of the messy months which is when you don't know what day it is and you're you're wearing the same clothes for a week and all that sort of thing i've just finished today actually recording the audiobook so it's quite fresh the book again because i've had to say it out loud but i think the hardest bit and where i sat at the table we're sitting now was recounting telling my mum yeah and recounting telling the people i loved that the man that I thought was my husband was not and that he had an affair and he basically smashed my heart and smashed up everything that I knew and I think that was the hardest thing is that like I had that pain in me but then I had to make the phone call to call my mum in Australia to say mum he's had an affair and it's over and and just letting all that pain ripple and explode both you know up down and sideways and I think that felt unfair because you know you can cope with pain yourself can't you Mm -hmm. you can kind of go yeah yeah, hit me with that but then when it hurts your mum and it hurts your best friend hurts your children hurts your family and everybody you love then that feels that's when the affair feels unfair because you think no they went off and did something really horrible and now everybody's hurting and everyone's picking up the pieces even a friend of mine said who lives down the road He's just like a friend from school and they and he just said that as you were saying before, it does have this ripple effect. Like what was this secret, what was meant to be private, this other life that my husband had, now is, is has been transformed into hurt. And I don't want to sort of dwell on the hurt bit because I, you know, I am so happy. Um, but, uh, but it's funny, and I remember contacting another friend who was very unhelpful, who said, look, affairs happen all the time. Yeah, but so does cancer and death and, like, horrible things, but it doesn't make it any less just because it's common. Absolutely. Yeah, the hardest chapters were writing about the fallout of the affair and how I kind of survived it. And I do say in the book, so many women say, I don't know how I got through it and I have to say that's bullshit. And it's such it's such an easy way and it's such a win for the patriarchy when women say, I don't know how I did it like I don't know how I got through childbirth or I don't know how I got through the first years of motherhood. You do know. Because it's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. You put on a brave face. You make sure your children are okay. You make sure you're okay. You put your happy face on and you just get things done. Because you have to. And that's what women do. They just fucking get on with it, Yeah, Mickey. Yeah. And listener, you know. You know because <laughs> anybody who listens to the podcast is fucking awesome. Because you just do get on with it. You don't sulk about it. You can't. You've got time. You don't, you know, you know, the, you know, Tesco's arriving and you've got bills to pay and you've got to work and do everything. And so you just got to muck in. I think the hardest thing for me, because I'm a bit of a giver and I, I'm a people pleaser and I just want everyone around me to be happy was to kind of say, I'm, I'm not okay. I'm really struggling. Please help me. And that, that even, even now it makes me feel a bit, oh, but when people said, can I bring you some food? I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just, I just eat these crusts I found on the floor. It's fine. Then <laughs> they're like, shit, what do you need? And I just remember a really good friend rocked up, because i got you know divorced and the shit bits were in the first three months of the shit lockdown like people were just leaving things like easter eggs and cigarettes on my front doorstep or lasagnas and then like they'd drop things on the way on my front doorstep and then run like two or three <laughs> meters backwards and be like going, hi there's really like streaming tears going it's side. oh thank god they couldn't smell me <laughs> i thought they could yeah yeah I bet they could. No, you look bad And that absence of touch, I think that was the weirdest thing because the last adult I hugged was him on the day he left. And so, yeah, he moved out properly on the last day, you know, before the world kind of got locked up and he moved into a new place. And I sort of hugged him and I was like, you know, it's time to go. This isn't your house anymore. And, and that was it. And then the next proper hug from a loved one was Ellie in June. And so that was like from March to June Having no, you know, I hug the kids and all that sort of stuff, but, but not having anyone to kind of envelop you because that's exactly what you want in trauma, isn't it? You want to be held and massaged and, you know, that, that connection, that Mm. touch
0: is so, so important and touch deprivation can send us a bit bonkers Yeah, and hugging your kids is different. You know, like I was five when my dad left and my mum was broken when you hug your kids it's you giving them something and of course you take something back because they're your babies but you can't just collapse on them no and that's what you needed to do at that moment yeah Is to exactly. have a collapsy hook yeah a yeah. melty hug. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly and and that sort of like pub time and spa time and well you know anything that kind of helped you through and also I had nothing to hide into Mm -hmm. like i'm sure if i'd got divorced when i was on tour or working or or busy but there was just this abyss of sad like the world was sad and i was sad everything was really sad just so so sad just throw yourself into (laughs) lockdown (laughs) you cannot leave you're sad i think that was in a way i think that kind of sped up the healing because There was nothing I can do other than cry and eat biscuits and smoke fags, and I was really lucky that I'm Australian. I mean, in so many ways. (laughs) Um, Auntie got tense. No. no but i had this sort of 24 hour care in that yeah that's true. I had, like the 12 hour shift of the uk mates and then i <laughs> would like clock out and then i'd be like hey australia here i am and so i could call friends at 3 a.m when i was up just kind of going why why so i think i think in a way that was great and i remember talking to rosie Wilby, who um, i'm sure you guys all know from the breakup monologues and she was saying that's what you need you need an international friend when you're going through a Mm -hmm. breakup because at 3am that's when you're going oh my god what did they do and how did this happen and that's when your thoughts are bonkers Mm -hmm. i remember i remember once i know this is probably a bit blue but i remember once at like 3am and i woke up and i went i bet they did anal (laughs) (laughs) is that why is that why he had an affair because i wouldn't have bum sex listeners you will never know, <laughs> no, I I'm, will gonna never have, know. I'm gonna ask Helen oh my god but but you know that's not the point but I would just go into some madness going mm-hmm. yeah why did this what what are you the need things? someone
0: to talk you down from the ceiling and yeah. you can't put a, well I'm going to be on the ceiling at 1 p.m when it's useful for everyone on their lunch break no exactly not right. yeah. it's not grief
1: works because it's grief it's it's, yeah, it's an insanity. And I'm not an angry person. Like I'm, I'm quite happy and jolly and I like making other people happy. And I couldn't, I couldn't happy this off. This mm-hmm. was, re- that was a foreign and weird and confronting thing to face as a happy person. And I just remember a couple of friends who were psychologists um, saying, you're allowed to be angry, like, like get angry. And I was like, <gasps> You know, it I, feels so alien when we've been trained
0: that it's, it's not a woman's thing to do to be angry. No,
1: no. And it felt like failure or anger feels uncontrollable. And I didn't want that, especially when your world explodes. You're mm-hmm. looking for control. You're looking for order. And anger felt like the opposite of that. But um, when I started getting into it, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like it. You're good at it now, right? Yeah. I'm really good at it. Yeah. There's a woods across the road, which you know very well. The lovely One Tree Hill. It is beautiful. And yeah, I just remember going into the woods one day and just going, cunt, Cunt! (laughs) cunt, 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 cunt. Sorry, listener. But God, it was good. It was so good. Like, I just needed that release. And like, yeah. And just saying things like, I don't think I'd ever said that out loud. It's like, I fucking hate him. I hate him mm. i hate what he did i hate him all of him and you're not meant to do that you're meant to be princess diana and you're meant to be grace and dignity and say forgiveness didn't work no, out great for her though if i'm honest no bless her um but uh, <laughs> sorry Di. anyway sorry Di. read <laughs> the express she's very much dead. <laughs> no, sorry um but like it felt a bit dirty to be angry
0: you are a warm hug and reading your book you feel that warmth that joy coming through the page even when you're talking about stuff that was clearly breaking you and understandably Mm. breaking you it's incredibly positive even in its bleakest moments and it feels very much like you're there in the room reading it and obviously Mm. I know you so it felt a bit more like that for me but I think anyone reading it will feel like they have got a friend guiding them through a really shitty time it's a powerful positive book about Mm self-reclamation but it is also a testimony to the power and joy of female friendship Mm. the solidarity the comfort the courage the lasagna that your friends bring you is there on every page a lot of lasagna so
1: much lasagna (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: good stuff it's such a celebration of Mm. the power of that female friendship
1: yeah and i think I think that's it. And, and it's it's really interesting when you're in a toxic relationship or you're in a shit relationship and it's all-encompassing that can kind of fog the enormity of love that you already have. Mm. And when, when that was taken away, when my relationship was suddenly kind of brutally ended, I was like, all my friends are fucking amazing. <laughs> and they really, like, really love me. Uh-huh. And my family loves me. And I'm a nice friend. And that's what the gift of divorce had given me. I was like, you're awesome and you're awesome and I really love everybody. And I think that there was so much energy. It was like pouring water into a sieve, that marriage, you know, in retrospect, because it was not giving back. And clearly he was looking at someone else. And that's what I wanted to kind of convey in the book is that as soon as I let the women in, they just sort of, they just bit by bit, like a puzzle, put me back together again and it was really lovely and I know that some people will find that hard and I think asking for help is particularly un-British and it's un-Australian and you just want to go kind of, oh, I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine mm-hmm. but as soon as you just sort of allow that because people want to help they know you're in the shit. so I think that was it and so many friends said just for me saying look yeah just put some lasagna on my doorstep that would be really great right <laughs> not now not even in a dish just straight on the doorstep, <laughs> through the door you <laughs> just, know just you are
0: on the other side of the line <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, warming up. I just had to kind of let go in so many ways. And I'm glad that people kind of not that they shook me into it, but I did I did realise that I needed help. And it's sort of and it's weird because you kind of know your role within the friendship group. Like I was always like, Oh, I'll bring the fears and I'll have the cake and I, I wanna do the the PayPal thing for the teacher at the school thing and all that sort of stuff and I like giving. But when you take a step back, and I'm not gonna do that forever but just for that time it was really powerful mm-hmm. and accepting help I and mean, we yeah sometimes we're not very good at that
0: and what you touched on there as well is acknowledging that love we are sold from such an early age that the most important love is romantic love oh. and it is bullshit mm. and yeah i just got married but this emphasis on romantic love as opposed to like sibling love or family love or the love of your friends and the family we choose yeah I mean, it sets us up for a fall.
1: Yeah, it does. And there is and there is a quote from Esther Perel in there about we put everything into this one relationship or we're sold that this is the all-encompassing, he's my best friend and my lover and my rock and my everything. But well, that's so much pressure to put yeah. on one person and one relationship. And rarely does that exist. Mm-hmm. Rarely does that exist. And it's really interesting. Like I interviewed quite a few people about what it's like on the other side, like when you get divorced. And it was, I think it was Dr. Karen Gurney, who's this psychosexologist was saying, well, the women that she sees in their forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies, they don't want another relationship. They've got their kids, they've got their house, they've got their money, they've got everything they need and they get everything from their friends. It's great to fuck, you know, fuck a guy occasionally, but they're not craving that intimacy or that all-encompassing love that they got from one person or the job they had (laughs) which i imagine it can feel like if it's not going brilliantly yeah and exactly and they're like i don't want to wash someone else's socks anymore i yes come over and fuck me on a friday night (laughs) but you go now at 1am and then i can wake up and hang out with my cats
0: Hi, Hannah here, just having a nice cup of tea. I wanted to remind you that if you like what we do, you can help support us. You can do that by going to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash standard issue, where you can throw some readies at us to help us keep producing the kind of thing that you seem to enjoy listening to. And also keep me in tea. Thank you. So you've mentioned a couple of brilliant women there. I was a little bit surprised but like joyfully surprised to find that within the book you have interviewed a lot of women and you've got many standard issue faves on there which was bloody lovely but you've got professional and anecdotal advice that you have chucked into this book it really is a guide Mm. to like picking yourself up and finding yourself again
1: yeah yeah and I sort of purposefully chose women of all ages and backgrounds but also women who had had different experiences of breakups Mm -hmm. And I think Rosie Wilby describes it as the hierarchy of heartbreak in that, you know, I had the classic, my husband had an affair, I've got two kids, you know, I'm in my 40s. Like, that is a sad thing. Like, you can say, tick, that's sad. Mm -hmm. But then when friends who have chosen to leave relationships or weren't married or we're in same-sex relationships, they don't get as many lasagnas or as much (laughs) sympathy, but it can be equally or even more devastating. And I think that's what I wanted to challenge in a way, because I know that I was really lucky when people sort of saw how broken I was, but other people aren't good at asking for help, or if they have left the relationship, people think, oh, they're fine. They're not. I don't envy anyone who has the balls, frankly, to go, this isn't working, or it's just not good enough. That takes such courage to leave a relationship that, you know, is is okay. And I think twenty years ago or thirty years ago or whatever, people would have just limped along in shit relationships. But now there is the opportunity where you can find happiness without compromise and without apologizing either. Absolutely.
0: That stigma of divorce ultimately meaning failure has to go because we live so much longer than when marriage is an institution, <laughs> oh, yeah. and just you know, we grow. Yeah, and you, I mean, you met your ex-husband at a fairly early age. Like, how much changing does a person do? Yeah, shitloads,
1: heaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him when I was nineteen. I thought, yep yeah, done, right. Got the husband, all done. I mean, we got married 10 years after we met, but yeah, I think that's it. And if you can maintain a relationship over those big changes, but I'm, you know, I, I sort of feel grateful that I was given this new life at 41 because it feels like I've got another 40, 50 years, hopefully, of just having lots of fun. And And before I was like, oh God, yeah, we're going to, the kids this and then retirement and everything felt very mapped out and like, yeah, and this is what we're going to do. But now... Life is a sort of blank canvas and I kind of like that. All I know is that I probably should fix the leaking bath and I want to keep doing scummy mummies and all that sort of stuff. But the weight, I feel lighter and, and more positive about the unexpectedness of life. And that's really great and I don't have to compromise. Everything is just my own. And I think that was the big kind of turning point in getting happy is that I stopped thinking about, oh, fuck, you know, he left me and... I'm unloved and I was rejected and all those sort of things. And I went, oh, this house is all mine. <laughs> this is my table and my things. And, and it just felt exciting. And I, I didn't want to be bitter about it. You're allowed to be bitter about it. You can be really fucking angry for a while, but then I was like, no, nah, I just, I want to be really excited about who I am and what I have and not what he left behind. I don't think I would have been in this position if I hadn't had all those women holding me mm-hmm. but also you know I'm incredibly lucky that I do the scummy mummies and anytime I posted on social media about being a single mum I'd get all these a wave of love from all these other single mums who would message me saying I've been a single mum for five years keep going women are awesome
0: yeah like, they're fucking great I wholeheartedly agree <laughs> absolutely so I'm the child of a single mum and obviously our Jen is a single mum and she's doing a cracking job with Lyra. But single mums, I remember this this story and I must have been about 10. We was playing out, we were kicking our ball and it kept going on a neighbour's lawn. And this guy came out and he shouted at my mum and our next door neighbour, Laura, who was also a single mum, mm. he said, this is outrageous. It's becoming like, I'm not going to name the area, but he named an area that was well known for being like very poor, like probably very little fault of the people who live there, but like really poor. And it's because of you single mums. And there is this stigma around being a single mum instead of this celebration of women fucking doing everything to raise their
1: kids yeah
0: with very little support not necessarily from the fathers some fathers i have to say not mine but some fathers absolutely pitch in. they love Mm. their kids and they do their bit but the state is not providing any sort of support it's hard
1: it's hard absolutely and it's really interesting because i use single mum because i remember talking to there's the gingerbread charity which is the single parent charity and they said if you're a parent who has the more than 50% of the time you're a single mum and I'm like yeah I'm all, only that hello speaking of single parenting like my son's come, what, what do you need what do you need a computer I, uh, I, 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 I don't know you're done. no we're not done we're, I, I was just in a flow actually I was okay. like <laughs> there we are <laughs> I, I, I bribed them with some M&S delete sweets. Scene. delete scene <laughs> I will not take orders from a man. <laughs> Thank you, Hugo. Anyway, I bribed them with some sweets to stay upstairs. They did not. So, yeah, I like using the term single mum. I have my children five days a week. They're with their dad two days a week. And it's what they wanted and it's what we decided. He lives five streets away. They love him. He loves them. They have a great relationship. And I have two days to myself, which I love. But I like using the term single mum. And it was interesting on social media, people said, you're not a single mom, you're an independent mum." And I was like, no, I want to use the word single mum because of that. You know, oh, single mom's this mm. and single mom's on benefits and all that sort of stuff. And I want to reclaim it. It's a bit like using the word fat or other words that are used or have been used to shame women. And I think there's something powerful in using something to reclaim and reown and redecorate what that term means. But I liked the other day, someone wrote on social media, you're not a single mum, you're a double mum. And I thought, that's fucking it. You're doing yeah. twice the work. Uh-huh. And I'm, you know that. Yeah, Nikki. totally. You've seen your mum. Know, I do that all the I like huffy, huffily, puffily going, oh, am I the only one doing dishes again in front of my children? They'll go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick up a tea towel and then put it down again i'll do a job really badly so you won't ask me to do (laughs) it again here's me putting a sock on the rack um yeah but do you know what it it just feels even though it's twice the work it feels like half the emotional bullshit and that's what i like about it well there's one big child you're not looking after (laughs) (laughs) exactly right and there's no one criticizing like the kids just you know for the time being think i'm amazing and we have our kitchen discos and you know there's a bit of shouting and all that sort of stuff but I love our unit I love our uh, little it does feel like a party although I just remember at the end of lockdown because it was just all pizzas and no toothbrushing and all that sort of stuff I just remember my son turned to me and goes mummy do you think we need some more discipline
0: <laughs> I think I think when the 10 year old is asking for discipline <laughs> the answer is probably yes So what is really interesting, and you you admit this in the book, and I'm using the word admit there very carefully, is that becoming single made you realise that feminism-wise, you'd been talking the talk, but not really walking the talk
1: in your marriage. Exactly right. And it was confronting and affronting because, yeah, I'm in a female double act. I do comedy for women. I'm all about women but I could hear like my mother's voice in my marriage and just allowed behaviors that I wouldn't allow from anyone else from that guy I was living with. Mm. And there's, there's a great quote and it's not mine. It's from Arabella Weir who said, never allow behaviors that you wouldn't let your best friend have. Like don't let your partner sit down and say, why did you cook the broccoli like this? Or don't buy me Chardonnay. You know, I hate Chardonnay. Like, if you repeat the same words that your partner's saying that your, you know, that your best friend would say to you and you would go fuck off, fuck out of my house, then you know, it's bad. And I and I just, I just, all the behaviors that I kind of go, <gasps> why did I allow that? But it, but it is just paper cuts, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the whole boiling, boiling the frog thing. And yeah, and I can't say I wasn't badly behaved because I probably was really huffy puffy and, and a big old grump towards the end of the relationship as well. But yeah, it's a terrible feminist in my relationship and I and I have talked to other in hushed tones to other friends who are really quite prominent feminists and going yeah why do I allow that bad behavior but it's ingrained in what we do it's yep. like oh it's just men and blah 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 look there's a fox by the way oh, hello fox hello foxy hi there but I want to be really upfront about that and especially because there's a chapter looking at like money and finance in the book and I just remember him saying don't worry about money you don't have to have a pension, I'll look after you. And all that sort of stuff. And I go, oh, Helen, you stupid girl. So that's why I put that particular chapter in the book about sorting out your pensions, finance, budgeting, all that sort of stuff, because it is a feminist issue, knowing what your cash is doing, how you're saving, how you're going to look after yourself in old age. We can't rely on our partners to be there because they might turn out to be (laughs) cunts.
0: Um, that's not just, all of them just, not all of them just not a all. random comment I'm, I'm not talking about anyone specifically <laughs> no. that, that is quite interesting there was a question that i definitely wanted to ask you and that is that your life is public it's quite mm. well, it's fairly public it has
1: been for a long time yeah. yeah
0: and you have written a book about divorcing your kid's dad so what are the concerns and sort of gently gently's that you've had to bear in mind while
1: doing that yeah so i don't talk about the affair in the book i can talk about it on the podcast but um I always speak very positively about him in front of my children and the children know why we got divorced, but I made that choice writing the book because I knew that sharing truth is powerful. And I knew that sharing my story would not just help me in a cathartic way, but would help thousands of women. And that was really important to me. And yeah, I'm very open with the children about what the book's about And I don't mention his name and I don't want him to be publicly shamed in any way, obviously, and he's made a mistake and all that sort of thing. But so many women are silenced. Mm -hmm. So much of this is don't ruin his career and don't, you know, think of this. And, you know, lots of stuff was taken out of the book before it was published. And I think that was the right decision. Because the book I really want is about the triumph and about the the coming back from something that was horrific. And then I've made something better out of what it was. So yeah, I'm really conscious of that, obviously. But I have always, for the last eight years in The Scummy Mummies, spoken honestly about my life and my experience as a woman. And, you know, when I first got divorced, what I wanted was more stories, to, wanted to feel normal. And I think, you know, when we started Scummy Mummies eight years ago, that was sort of the ethos of that then about there wasn't enough honesty about motherhood now fucking everyone talks about motherhood all the time but this experience just felt a little bit underrepresented and same with like single motherhood as well mm-hmm. that it was all about struggle and negativity and hardship and I was like I love being a single mom and 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 it's made me a better mother it's made my experiences richer with my children Obviously, because they're upstairs being bribed with sweets and watching <laughs> iPads. I mean, you know, it's all it's all um, knitting and, and macrame. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think that it's really important to share these stories, and and I don't think I'm brave, or I don't think what I'm doing is anything new, but I'm very aware of the platform that I have and the privilege that I have from doing Scummy Mummies, and every time I post about being a single mum or have done a podcast. I get hundreds of messages from women going, thank you for telling my story or you've given me hope or I've just got separated and seeing you happy gives me hope that I can do that. And I sort of, that kind of gives, gives me purpose. And it feels like a really, um, yeah there's and I don't want to sound too cheesy but I wanted to turn something that felt really hateful into something that gave love and that gave some joy or hope because you know it just felt so cruel what had happened to me and I thought fuck it let's turn something that was so awful into something great I think you're brave <laughs> I
0: think you're fucking amazing oh, and thanks, also Ricky <laughs> Get Divorced Be Happy is published by Million and is out on July the 29th correct and you can pre-order now awesome you should totally do that because it's really helpful for authors and we should all be helping Helen we can't I may have plans. pre-ordered my own
1: book <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. just made me love you a little bit more oh it was it's a it's currently I mean if you if you do use Amazon no judgment but you can buy it independently I think it's like 11 pounds 29 on Amazon right now it's in the hard cover but it's also in audiobook and on the Kindle as well if you want to whatever you whatever you like really and even like fresh off my fucking honeymoon it was still a really
0: (laughs) uplifting read (laughs) it's still a really uplifting read and i am very pleased to have read it helen thank you so much for chatting to me now hug me
1: oh come in come in (laughs) she's so beautiful congratulations (laughs) on your wedding thank you (laughs) good luck at issue for all women.